Excellent. We good to go? All right. Got a question for you. We can go to Galatians 4, 1 through 3. And my question is, are you a son or are you a slave? And if you're a lady, are you a daughter? Galatians 4, 1 through 3. Now, notice that I said son or daughter and not child. Okay. Are you a son or are you a slave? Galatians 4.1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. That's verse. But is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Next verse. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. So go back to the first one for me, Galatians 4.1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Are you still a child in the kingdom of God? Have you grown up yet? Are you still a child? Because if you are a child, there's no separation between you and a slave. Okay, next verse. But it's under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. We'll always have guardians and stewards in our lives. But in order to not be a slave any longer, we have to grow up. And our guardians and our stewards, by appointment of the father, release us into the inheritance that has been given to us by Jesus Christ. Okay? So a child does not differ from a slave, but a son does. A daughter does. Somebody who is growing up, someone who is maturing. So think about it. What are you? Do you still feel like a slave? Do you still feel like you're working for Christ? Do you still feel like you're in bondage, although he made you free? You know, you can be in bondage to freedom. God can set us free from the elements of the world, but we still can be in bondage to the law of the Lord. Meaning we feel like that's a heavy weight. There are shackles on us that if we don't do this, we will be basically punished. That's, that's slavery, right? Okay. So do you still feel like a slave that you're working for Christ? Or if that you don't do this, you'll be punished? Or are you a daughter? Or are you a son that has access to the inheritance that has been given to you by Jesus Christ? Okay. So my next question is, how do I, trans how do I transition from a slave to a daughter? Or a slave to a son. How do we make the transition from being not yoked to bondage anymore? And how do we grow up in this, okay? The first answer, and pretty much the clear across the board one is, you must die to the old man. Okay? So when you're born again, your spirit is regenerated. You are a new creation on the inside. But there's something on you called flesh 
that must be that has to be done away with. And so the flesh brings back to remembrance the things that used to gratify itself. So although your spirit is brand new, although you're a brand new creation, although you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, there's something that is on you that basically covers your body that wants to draw you back to sin, take you back to the old desires. It's like a familiar spirit. So you must die to the old man. Okay, now we're going to go to Ephesians, and I'm, I'm going to basically go through a set of verses, which is going to show you what we need to die to. In some areas, it's not all areas, but some. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. We need to die to the old man. People understand why if Christ has put his spirit inside of us, why do I still struggle with some of the things I struggle with before I gave my life to him? Mentally, physically, emotionally. It is an effort that we have to make in ourselves. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their minds. And I have another Bible called the One New Man Bible. and that Bible, Gentiles are called heathens. I think that is like the... The Hebrew word for Gentiles, and I like that word, heathens. Heathens. I like using that word a lot more. Go back to uh, 17 for me real quick. So we should not walk like the heathens walk in the futility of their mind. This is what the word futility means. Cease to care. Now, there is a carefree life in Christ knowing that basically my life is under is in his hands. But there also is a careless living type of lifestyle that heathens partake in. And we all know that lifestyle. We all lived there before. We all were there where we would do things without thinking about the recourse of those actions. So what it's saying is. Don't be as the Gentiles are because you're no longer like them. You have been separated from them. But obviously some that had received Christ started to partake back in some of those activities. So what you see is you'll see people receive Christ and they'll get super high. It's called the honeymoon stage. And then without growth, without time spent with God, what you experience is a roller coaster factor. So you go super high. And then when that honeymoon, when, when the Lord is asking a lot of people to change or asking them to change, and I don't really know how to make that change, it goes just like this. A major, it's like a major drop. So what they do is they go back to the old ways so they can experience that high again. And it's just the flesh drawing them. But that is when you cease to care. When you go back to the things that you were once delivered from. You know how you can just have a nonchalant attitude? Like, I, I just don't care. I ain't going to get this right anyway. That is how heathens act. You know people who are heathens or Gentiles. There's like, they, such a negative connotation to everything. This is just the way it's going to be. To cease to care. That's futility in their, of their mind. Their mind can't even care. Okay. Ephesians. I'm sorry. Go to the next verse, 17. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God 
because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Next verse. This is the way of the, the heathens who being past feeling has given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. These are just such an eloquent <laughs> combination of words. Lewdness, y'all know what lewdness is? It's like the outward act or it's not inward. Lewdness is like a carelessness of what you say and how you act publicly. And lewdness, actually, it really describes um, talking very sexually, acting very um, promiscuous sexually out loud, meaning like you display it. And to work all uncleanness with greediness. This, this is the way of, they don't have feelings. They give themselves over to lewdness, just an outward expression of, of things unclean. To work all uncleanness with greediness. Next verse. They're greedy. But you have not so learned Christ. So if you receive Christ and you're moving back to the things that God wants to deliver you from, you have not so learned Christ. You're still under the elements of bondage. Next verse, please. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Next, please. That if you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Next verse. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Those words put together that encompasses a transition from an old man to a new man. Even if some things don't fit those characteristics, it's still talking about the same. How when you were once enlightened by the Holy Spirit and you're falling back into the old things. And the old things are very clear. They're very clear. But we have to put on the old man. I mean, excuse me, we have to put on the new man, which was already created before you were created. The person we were putting on has already been made before we were manifested in the flesh. It was the spirit. We have to put on that man according to God, not according to man. The new man does not is not stipulated by what man says what you should be. It's by what God says you should be. OK. Yes. Yeah. Get a mic, baby. Yeah, just for the recording. Scripture. I'm just going to read the scripture because I've been meditating on this. So, and it's in Jeremiah. And it said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the wound, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And nations represent people. But... I love that because God is pretty much saying, before I even formed you, I knew you, which means he knew everything about us. We already had personality, characteristics, everything. And then he's saying, before you were born, I already set you apart. Yeah. From, and then it says, I ordained. Ordained means 
I wrote this down. Separation. It means appointed, mm -hmm. decided to equip you for a specific pur purpose. Yeah. So he already, like, we don't even know, but God already has assigned us for specific, specific. specific <laughs> purpose. Yes. That's crazy to me. It I is. mean, that's pretty amazing. But we try to, you know, figure this thing out. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> I just wanted to read that. Thank you. That, that's awesome. Yeah. What you're saying. It's already. Yeah, it's already done. The new man, you don't have to develop the new man. You have to grow into the new man. Yes. You don't have to develop the new man. The new man is already fully developed. You have to grow into the new man. That's the person Christ. That's who you were created before the foundations of the world was. It's. In, it's boy. What? They all right? Yeah. They always do that. Yes. You got that's what that is right there. You grow into the new man. There is there is effort that you have to put towards it's time spent with God. That's the simplest way to say it. How do you grow into the new man? But it's really by grace. Just so just so everybody knows, God Jesus when he came he removed all the works that need to be done. Now there's works in faith, but we have to have God's grace. We have to. And if we don't have his grace, we'll get the glory for what we achieve. That's one of the biggest things the Lord taught me here is that because I knew how to use my strength, my efforts to obtain promises or to obtain the desires that I had in my heart. But only that did was produce glory for myself. It never produced glory for God. So God has to eliminate the fact of that if we're strong in ourselves, who is he? And we will never give him the glory that he needs. And what you see is in a lot of a lot of strong, very leader oriented or goal driven people. They have to be broken all the way down to really know that they need Christ. I mean, because God gave us gifts. He said, I give you gifts without repentance. Right. Those gifts come without repentance so we can use them for gain. For our own gain. So if we use them for our own gain, we can prosper. But who would get the glory in it? We will. And that's also a maturity, knowing that we have to be broken down so Christ can be resurrected in our lives. And that he can get the glory out of all things. I've seen it in my own life. There are things that I cannot touch. Meaning, I can't even go after them. Because I would be able to bring glory to myself. God has appointed certain things for my life. And he's put a desire in my heart to work those efforts in him, not in my own strength. We have to know the difference. Now, there's also a word in Chronicles. You can get to the, a place in God, and the Lord revealed this to me last year, that he will release you to do all that is in your heart, for God will be with you. Because David wanted to, put a, wanted to have a place to house the presence of God. So his desire was to be near God. So when you desire to have more of God, to be near God all the time, he can release you to do what, he, what he's put in your heart because God will be with you because you won't leave him. Okay. Let's go to Ephesians 4, 25 through 31. Some things that need to actually move out of the way to die and be buried so that we can grow up. Therefore, putting away lying, 
Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. Next verse. Okay. It's good. Yeah. Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. 31. Here's some things we need to put away. Here's some things that are common in the old man that we used to live in. How many people used to lie? Man, I remember when I used to, I used to lie about the stupidest stuff. <laughs> Just scared to face the truth. Like, you, you can see it in little kids. Like, you tell them not to do something, they still go and do it, and then you know they didn't. You tell them to come here. Say, what did I ask you to do? And then they start lying. I don't know. I'm like, yes, you, I just told you. We used to lie, man. But when you come into Christ and you're really being formed into that new man, the moment you open your mouth and even tell a white lie, you are convicted of, oh, my gosh, it burns you. It's like, I don't want to do it again, Lord. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the littlest ones will keep you from wanting to lie. And if you know you fight past that conviction, your heart starts to become seared. To where it's easy to do those things again. That's why you just got to yield to it and say, Lord, I repent. Forgive me. All right. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let your sun, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Let's continue. Because I got a list of the things that's in this. Nor give place to the devil. I am so big on this right now because we cannot bless the devil. He, God has not called us to bless the devil. He's called us to hate evil. He said, he said, he said, pray for those who persecute you and pray for the, and, and bless those who spitefully use you. That is not talking about the devil. It's talking about the people being used by the devil. That's how you conquer the enemy. What I'm talking about when you send the, the enemy in full rampage, acting crazy, this, we don't bless that because you're endorsing a behavior that is being influenced by the dark side. You're endorsing wickedness, and we're supposed to hate evil. And love is discipline. If you're not disciplining or if you're not loving to that manner, you are endorsing. You're not hating evil. But it says give no place to the devil. We have to learn how to separate ourselves from the sin that dwells in our flesh. So this flesh is a house. So you have the actual temple. It's flesh. This is what it is. But flesh also means sinful nature. Until this perishes and starts to fade away, there's always going to be an enticing of sin. We were made from the dust of the ground. You know what that means? We were made from the dirt. Some say that. That means filth. We agree. So God used something ugly to make something very beautiful. What was in the ground and what was cursed was the ground. So when, do you remember when that, the man sinned? When he ate the apple, he didn't curse the man. He cursed the ground. So when you enter into the flesh, you are cursed. When you yield to sinful nature, your flesh, you're going to enter into a curse. How'd I get on that? Okay. We got to stay out of, got to stay out of the flesh. For real. We got to separate, we got to separate ourselves from sin. Even if. There's a, a protruding thought in your mind, and it sounds very familiar. If you know it does not line up with the word of God, you have to know it's not you. And when you know it's not you, you can literally separate yourself. You can say, God, I know that's not me. 
These are not my thoughts. I rebuke those thoughts. Because if you don't, they start to turn in your mind. And as they turn, they start to, to create a throne and they become a stronghold. And then you start speaking these things. And as you speak these things, you're creating that atmosphere around you. And then you start acting like what you're speaking. You have to separate yourself from that sin. I am telling you, even if you just one moment before acted in it, you must repent and separate yourself from it, knowing that it's not you. It is not you. You were created holy by the Holy One. You were. When you, when the Holy Spirit, this the little guy, even if you're a baby, is so much more powerful than all darkness. At, the darkness can't even stand. You know, it even says that they tremble at the name of Jesus. We're not even, I, I love it because we don't even utilize everything that we have in the kingdom of God. We minimize what God has and we put doubt because unbelief is trying to influence us. Yeah. Unbelief is not in here. It's not. All belief is in here. All faith is in here. Everything you need is in here. The spirit man. But it has to grow into this. But you have to work this into this. At the name they tremble. We just have to understand that God is not a liar. His word is true. It's sealed. If we believe it, there's nothing that we cannot accomplish. There's nothing we cannot do. Okay. Let him who stole steal no longer. Meaning we used to steal. Let's not steal anymore. But rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give to him who is in need. Gene had this scripture. This is not a scripture, but he says, he says, I work to give and I give to live. This is your scripture for that. You work with your hands what is good, doing good things to work, not fruitless works or bad works or lawless works, but doing good things that you may give. So you work to give to those who need something. Next verse, please. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearer. We have to stop saying bad things. You are, Carrie says this, I was the hearer. So when he would speak, he was the hearer that this verse is talking about. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary for necessary edification, that it might impart grace to the hearers. You can be the hearer when you're talking, but also to others. I got a little note here. I want to, this is what corrupt means. Rotten and decayed. So y'all know what that means? Corrupt means lifeless. It means without life. If your words don't have life on them, it's corrupt and it shouldn't come out of your mouth. It means rotten and decayed. That means it's been dead for a long time or for a, for a period of time. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for by the day of redemption. That means do good. Do what you know you're supposed to do when the Holy Spirit is leading you. Whether that be in a church function where God is putting in your heart to do something, and sometimes in a grown, like in a ministry for development, God may put a word inside of you to share with people. And you'll feel the stir, like, I got to say this. If I don't say it, I, I don't know what's going to, you, you know what it is. You know when you, it's like, I'm just like a little tornado going off inside of you, a little hurricane. 
You know, a little nervous feeling, but it's not like nervous, like, oh my gosh, I'm about to go up and take, you know, do a presentation that I haven't prepared. It's like a nervous that I know, like God is asking me to do something. You grieve the Holy Spirit when he asks you to do something and you don't do it, which equals knowing the right thing and not doing it. Okay. Is that my last 31? All right. Here's some things we need to die to to grow up. I'll just put them down. Oh, ha. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Don't have no part of that. Let it be put away from you. Put it away from you. If you've had it, take, you know how you can obtain something, you can have something? Put it away and never return back to it. You know you can do that? You can say, Lord, this is what I practice. I just vocalize what I hear and what I read in the word. Lord, I am putting away these things. I'm putting away malice. I'm putting away bitterness, wrath, anger. I'm putting it away, and I'm not going back there. I literally speak it out loud. I don't say it in my mind. I vocalize it to God. I put it into law. And we should try that. The word is life. The word is the spirit. When we speak it, it is going forth, and it will not return void. So here's some of the things that we need to die to to move from childhood and being a slave to growing up to being a son or a daughter. Anger, stealing, saying hurtful things, bitterness, unforgiveness, and all those things. What you see is all tied in unforgiveness. Unfor if you have unforgiveness, it caps off your destiny. Your inheritance is in your destiny. So if you still have unforgiveness in your heart towards anything, anybody, you'll never grow up. You'll always be a child and you'll always feel like a slave. Excuse me. All right, give me Ephesians 5, 1 through 7. And we're going to finish up in just a minute. I titled this, Here's Some Things That We Need to Start Doing. So, you know, when you stop doing something, you have to create new habits. You have to start doing new activities. So if you stop saying certain words, you need to start saying other words because your mouth has to be filled with something. Your mind has to be filled with something. Your body has to be filled with something. This is what we need to start doing. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. Okay, now stay there, stay there. We must imitate God. All right, you'll never know who God is. You'll never know how to imitate him unless you read the word of God. Bottom line, God works with his word. The very first thing and very first way he speaks to you is through his word. Okay? Read the word, figure out who he is, and then imitate him as a child would. All right. Children are just, they're reckless. They'll see something and they'll just try it. They'll just do it without any thought. Innocent, it's an innocent thoughtlessness. It's an innocent thoughtlessness. They just do it knowing that they're taken care of. Imitate God without thought. Just do it. Tori had a great dream. One day I'm, I'm going to ask her to share at the right time. But it was a beautiful dream about how we're afraid to just jump in and be free. And we'll never know who we really are until the moment we jump in and be free. It's a great dream. Okay, next verse, please. And walk in love, 
as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smell aroma. So we must walk in love now, but we have to walk in love as Christ walked in love. You got to read to see how he walked in love. We can go over all of that. And in how you walk in love, it is an offering and a sacrifice to God. So your life is now a sacrifice and an offering to God at all times. We have to take that mindset that how I'm living is, an, is a sacrifice unto God. It is an offering unto God. Okay, these are the things we should start doing to grow up. Okay, next verse, please. But fornication and all uncleanness and covetedness, let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints. Next. Neither filthiness or foolish talking nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving thanks. Next verse. For this you know that no, fornic no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is, who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. That's very tough. Because if you receive Christ, you cannot walk in these things. You are literally destined for doom if you do these things. And if you have anything that's drawing you to those things, you have to ask the Lord to deliver you. You can really practice these things. You should take communion for God to remove those desires, those, those things that are inside of you for deliverance. And you should worship, pray, declare. Because what's inside of you is way stronger than that. But if you don't know how to tackle those things with Christ, they will keep coming back over and over in your life. Yes. Fornicator is a person who commits sexual acts, any sexual act outside of marriage. Any sexual act. And I'll read something real quick. Fornication encompasses all acts of sexual immorality. Anything out of the marriage covenant. <laughs> that even go as far as thoughts. And just so you know, um, Jesus described adultery as looking at a woman or another person with the wrong desire, with sexual desire. That's adultery too. So anything done, and it's in the Word. And my biggest excuse, when I was like your age, Mimi, I ain't never read it in the Word, so how could I know, you know, that it's true? And I did not even search it out. I based it on the fact that I, on the fact that I didn't read it to justify my actions. And deep down, I knew it was wrong. I tried to use... I'm putting these in quotation because it wasn't ignorance. My ignorance or my lack of research to justify my actions. Okay. Those people have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or God. You have no power and you have no presence. You don't, you don't, you don't receive your inheritance as a person who carries the power and the presence of God. Okay. Next, please. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Basically saying, don't let anyone come and tell you that you can do those things in Christ. I was, I'm telling you, I would allow what I didn't know to be influenced or the things I did not research to be basically coupled and influenced by what people said. That was immaturity. I was still a babe, 14, 15, 16 year old, knowing that I shouldn't do things, but because I never read them. 
and no one was basically endorsing me to go a certain way. I just yielded to what people said, and those are the sons of disobedience. And the word says that the wrath of God is coming upon them. Okay, next verse. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. So here's some things we need to start doing. We need to imitate God as a child would. We need to walk in love. And we need to remove ourselves from things that are not of God. The list was already in those scriptures. And we need to start giving thanks. And we don't need to be deceived. We need to be educated. We need to do our own research. We need to spend time with God and not basically take what somebody just tells us as truth. Okay? I think we're going to stop here. We're going to stop here, and then we're going to start here um, next Wednesday, which is what happens when I start doing these things. Um, but we got, we got worship, and we got a, a major pastor's conference that's coming up, and we got to jump into worship at 830 so we got to be able to get home and uh, prepare ourselves for the rest of the night. Um, tonight, 8.30 tonight. Pastor's conference is Friday morning at 10, but we're doing a 72-hour worship span. God instructed us to do it, and it's going to be a complete invasion of God. So if you can be there, come. Please come. I would just encourage you to come. Like Tori's taking off for that time to be there. And um, I already know because the last pastor's conference, was mind-blowing. It was like literally heaven invaded this space and angels were in here singing. People could literally hear them with their ears. Not like, you know, hearing spiritual, like you could hear them in the atmosphere singing with us. It was really cool. So God always builds on what he does. He never stays the same. He always intensifies, always increases himself in a place where he's welcome and that he's magnified. So I know it's just going to be, can't even put words to it. But we have to make sure we take care of our part, which is doing the worship time that we've signed up for. So um, do we have any questions? Any comments? I got I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start asking the Lord for uh, messages. <laughs> I feel like I'm a, I'll be beating up sin. I want a message that I believe the next message or one of the, the near messages are going to really be about the promises. What it is to really be in Christ. And what our hope does for us, our hope in Christ does for our life. All right. What you got, Mimi? Okay, so if the Lord has delivered you, and this is a very good question. So if you know anger is not in you or if there's sin that is not in you, but you still kind of keep having, I don't want to say an occurrence, but something is coming on you. There's a difference from something being in you and an affluence trying to come on you. All right, now this is how you know the difference of something trying to come on you or something's in you. Something boils in you before it happens. So you know there can be like a stirring. So if there's anger that's boiling inside of you before it comes out, you still have anger inside of you. And if you still have anger, you still have unforgiveness if it's in here. But you can be delivered from unforgiveness and the influence of anger can try to jump back on you. And you don't feel it from the inside because Christ is really taking that place on the inside of you. But the spirit can try to influence you to be angry and you'll feel it try to come on you. It doesn't come from here. It literally comes from outside sources and you'll feel it and you'll know the difference. And this is how you know. This is how you know you have truly forgiven. So you have anger, envy, jealousy, complaining, pride and bitterness. All those those are defenses. Those are the things that arise. They come forth when God is trying to bring something to you. 
They basically push back the promises of God. So when something is coming near to you, like deliverance can come near to you and you can get angry. You can be mad. Right. You can feel you, you can feel the rage building when that is when that is happening. That means you still have unforgiveness. OK, so you can think about something. Something that's happened to you. And if it makes you angry, these are negative responses right here. Any negative response is an indication. Any of these negative responses is an indication that you still have unforgiveness. So if even if you start complaining at something that you really didn't want to happen, I'm not talking about the influence, but complaining's inside of you. It's something that you do. You have unforgiveness. So, for instance, like for anger, let's say my mother pulled me out of basketball when I was in middle school because of my grades. And I was mad at that time because she did it and I didn't want her to. She didn't have to, but I didn't want her to. I can think about it right now and what I felt then, I'm still angry about. So if I think about it and it causes some of these offenses to come up, I still have it. Okay? So if the thought comes and a negative emotion arises, you still have unforgiveness. Whether that be has somebody had did something to you, said something to you, acted a certain way with you, or whether you you see somebody receive and you're jealous about them receiving, or whether you know bitter, or when somebody's trying to tell you something and you're too good to hear what they have to say and you have pride, unforgiveness is still inside of you. But guess who's greater than unforgiveness? Jesus Christ. And it is a choice to have unforgiveness. It is a choice. It is a choice. Really, when I had unforgiveness, my greatest testimony is, I, man, Jing, there's a book on deliverance in like the first or second chapter of the, it's like a, a booklet. It talked about how, how do you know if you still have unforgiveness? So I'm reading, I'm like, dang, man, I got unforgiveness. But I knew I had unforgiveness, but it really clarified that I had unforgiveness. And I said, well, Lord, I don't want this anymore. And then when I'm getting towards the end of it, it described that if you still have, and it was more negative emotions than that. Um, but it had these descriptions, and I had a lot of them. And then it gave me these instructions. And basically, and I'm paraphrasing now what the instructions said, but basically it said, for the person who hurt you or the things that happened to you, you need to write them down. And then you need to speak them out loud. You need to say, Lord, so-and-so did this to me, and I'm angry. So-and-so did this to me, or this happened, and I'm, I haven't forgiven. I don't, I don't even know. I have to pull it up and look at it. But I went through it, and when I confessed the things that happened to me, oh, my gosh, it came out of me. I mean, for real. And I never want to talk about it because the pain is associated with how you say and what you think. So I didn't want to say it because I didn't want to relive those, those, those things that happened. But the moment I said them, I mean, it literally was like God literally took the unforgiveness from me. It was wild. And I was the only person in the house, and I was never the only person in the house. I said, well, we're going to take care of this right now. Because I didn't want to keep walking in it. I wanted, to, I wanted to deal with it because unforgiveness holds you back. And the unforgiveness is always tends to be against people who are tied to your destiny. Now, don't get me wrong. You still have some people that you may have to work unforgiveness out. That may not be a part of your destiny. But I've seen a lot where the people you need to forgive are the people that are going to help promote you or the people that's going to help you in your destiny. Does everybody, any more questions? Did I explain what you were talking about? Okay. I can give that thing, but that deliverance book is off the chain. All right. <laughs> Father, we love you.
We bless you. Jesus, you are amazing and awesome. And Holy Spirit, you are the guarantor. So we thank you for who you are, God, Daddy, Abba, um, Jesus, the Messiah, and Holy Spirit, the helper. And we just ask that the words that went forth, Lord, fall on good ground, and they produce great and mighty fruit for your kingdom. And we love you. We bless you. And we just ask that everyone here returns to home safely and that they're able to build your kingdom and your altar at home. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>